The uh, scripture reading this morning will be uh, from 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 16 through 21 that you'll find on page 236 of your pew Bibles. We did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses to his majesty. For he received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on this sacred mountain. And we have the word of the prophets made more certain. And you will do well to pay attention to it, as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Our Gospel reading this morning will be from Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 9 page 18 in your Bibles. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His, va his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then appeared before them Moses and Elijah, talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud enveloped them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Here ends the reading. Have you ever been lost? like trying to get somewhere and you get turned around and then you have no idea where you are. Maybe I should say, how many times do you get lost? When, uh, when we first moved, the summer I first moved to Ohio, I was 12, and uh, the youth group from Epworth Euclid went on a bike hike. We left from Punderson State Park and we went off and biked around for a long time and as, as on the way home we had become really spread out and somehow or other, I was apart from the group when they made a turn, and I missed it and kept on pedaling. After about 15 minutes, I realized nobody else was around. I had no idea where I was, and where I was wasn't, supposed, wasn't where I was supposed to be. I, I kept pedaling, and finally had stopped at a gas station because I knew I had to get back to Punderson and, and was asking directions when a carload of the youth group pulled into the gas station. We had a great meeting. Now, I was really happy to see them. 
uh, but not as happy as my youth group leader was <laughs> to see me. <laughs> the, 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 she was our director of Christian education and my youth leader. Her name was Judy Craig, who later became a bishop, is now retired. And at her retirement event, she still told this story about the time she thought she had lost the new pastor's kid <laughs> on a bike hike. <laughs> it was a bad feeling. I had no idea where I was, but luckily I did know where I needed to go. I mean, I, I, I at least knew that I needed to get to Punderson State Park. That's kind of all I knew. But I did at least have that to hold on to. I know that a lot of times in our lives, this is the most common form of being lost. We know where we need to get to. But sometimes along the way, we, we, we miss a turn or we take a wrong turning. We lose our bearings. We don't know what our position is. I know that I will experience many amazing new technologies in my lifetime, but I still think one of the, one of the most fun ones or most enchanting ones is the global positioning system. I love that. Do you know that its name, its official name actually is the NAVSTAR, which does not stand for anything, the NAVSTAR Global Positioning System. And I just, I read that and I got kind of a little thrill because this, with Transfiguration, we're ending the epiphany season. We, we started with the star that guided the wise men to the baby Jesus, and we're ending it with the star and the guiding light of Jesus again because that is what the Transfiguration means. It's a message. It's a revelation, a revealing of Jesus. It's a revealing of our Position. You know, the NAVSTAR is a system of 24 satellites. They're the modern equivalents, really, of the stars that have guided navigators for, for centuries, for millennia. Using the information from these satellites, the receiver can determine its location, its speed, its direction, and even if it really wants to, the exact moment in time that it's receiving this, this message. The system was, of course, originally designed for military use, and it cost $750 million a year to maintain. But think of, think of how quickly we've all kind of taken, started taking for granted the GPS and, and the different systems that use it to, for traveling, uh, for map making, for surveying, and even Chris ran across some people last summer who were geocaching, using GPS receivers to do this kind of orienteering treasure hunt thing. Uh, it was really very interesting. I mean, and we've just started using it in all kinds of different ways. And other countries are now developing their own systems. But you might be saying, okay, what does this have to do with the transfiguration? Well, I'll tell you. I want you to think about the characters besides Jesus in this story. That is Peter and James and John. They were the kind of the inner circle of Jesus' closest circle of acquaintances and disciples. They've been with Jesus since the beginning of his ministry, almost the beginning of his ministry. So that means they've seen miracles, they've seen exorcisms, they have uh, heard his teaching, they've even had his teaching explained more than other people. They have eaten with him, they have traveled with him, but you know, we know that they still don't really understand who he is and what he is in relation to God and where exactly they are in relation to Jesus. They don't exactly know the position. So they become the receivers who need to know that. And Jesus is the bright morning star, their nav star, 
of heaven to tell them where they are. In the transfiguration, he's revealed to them as one who is of heaven. First of all, that's the light. It shows his heavenly being side, bathed in light, as Betsy Wooster said. He's also revealed to them as greater than Moses and Elijah, the greatest of the prophets of the Old Testament. He's revealed to them as divinity itself, which has been living with them all this time. Now, Peter, I always think, gets, gets a hard rap at the, at, in this story. A lot of people say, he makes this comment about, oh, we should set up some booths, you know, Lord. And, and people say, oh, he, he just, just trying to hang on to the experience. He doesn't want to come down from the mountaintop. You know, he doesn't understand it's not always light and sunshine and things like that. But actually, I think Peter really does understand what's going on. He wants to make a booth, right? Well, you have to know that the Festival of Booths, which is one of the important festivals in the Jewish calendar, is meant to remind people of the times that they were, when they, Israel was wandering in the wilderness and guided by the light of God, and God lived in a booth with them. So Peter is actually going back to the time when they were being guided by God. He's recognizing once again that this is the star that leads them wherever they go. So he does get it. I want to give him credit for that. And he says something that really became the key for me this year in this passage. He said, it is good that we are here. He knows exactly where he is. And now he knows exactly where he is in relation to Jesus as the Son of God. I know where I stand, and I know where I am. And not only that, I know where I'm going. It's good to have all those things put together. The transfiguration gives them the direction that they need to go. And they have a, quite a journey ahead of them. Now, the book of 2 Peter, which we also heard from, refers back to this event. The first generation of Jesus' followers were waiting any day for him to return and living their lives accordingly. As far as they were concerned, Jesus was coming any day now. So they kind of lived in this constant state of readiness. But then, of course, that first generation started to die, and the second generation came along, and there started to be persecutions and controversies about the teaching and, and confusion, and they weren't sure, were they still supposed to be waiting for Jesus to come or not? Could they believe the people who had said Jesus was coming someday? And this, this writer of Second Peter, and this may be the, actually, there's some people who think this was the last of all the books written in the New Testament. And this, so this writer is speaking to those people who are wondering where they are and where they're going. He says, you can trust this. You can believe this. This is from God. It was witnessed. We witness. Not just it was witnessed once upon a time, but we continue to witness the, the, the light of Christ. And we continue to believe because this is from God. This is the message received from God's own light. I believe, along with that author, that we are still receivers. We're still receiving the light. We still get a lot of help from God's positioning system. It's not 24 satellites that it costs millions of dollars to maintain, but it is an incredible system instead of points of light that can guide us. The Bible, worshiping together, prayer, Christian friends, the Holy Spirit moving within us, all of these things send us messages about where we are and where we're going. God has a positioning system for us to help us to follow Jesus and to find God. 
Now, I know that there is kind of a tiny little sporting event going on tonight. And I was thinking about that in relation to this, and I, and I realized once again that position is very important in the game of football, right? Your position on the, I know nothing about football, so just like take this for, to remember that as I say this, but my understanding is position is very important. Your position on the field, you know, the, the opponent's position on the field, where the, the ball's position on the field, I think all of that has something to do with the game. And there's markers all around, you know, there's the lines painted on the field, there's, you know, the seeing where you are in relation to other people. There's the coaches. This is what always kills me. The coaches yelling on the sidelines. How in the world does anybody hear a coach yelling in the middle of all that noise? And yet somehow the message is received and the players know what their positions are and how crucial they are. We also have a message and we, we are in the surround in the midst of a lot of noise and confusion a lot of times and it's hard for us to hear the coach yelling to us. But the voice is the same as the voice that came from heaven on that day of the transfiguration. And it has a message to help us remember what our position is. And it says, listen to him. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Listen to him. Listen to 